the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. This is Pastor Joe Sutton, and I took my hat off and stripped off my headphones when I, when I did it. Forgot the headphones was over the hat. Uh, it's good to be back here on this Saturday afternoon. Here we are rolling through the month of November, uh, rolling up on the, on the holiday of, of Thanksgiving. You know, it's been a tradition in, uh, in, in, in my family to, to go to Chicago for the, the Thanksgiving holiday. And, and my mom is in Chicago and, uh, she just turned 83 years old and uh sharp as a whip you know i told if i was waiting on her insurance money for my inheritance i'd be out of luck by now (laughs) my my mom knows everybody's phone number you know by heart because she grew up in the day and age before cell phones and i can't tell you i got nine kids and only know one number by heart you know what i mean and uh, i i I depend on my phone to, to to dial that number but she she stays sharp man and and she loves to cook and she she will cook for one or she'll cook for 300 she doesn't really care and uh and that's what she does but it's also a special time for me in that uh the month of november my of course is my wife's my wife's birthday uh on the first of november and uh you know I, I always tease her because her sisters were born a year and three days after her and being a november baby that means she was conceived and uh uh in february and so odds are being November 1st, she was a Valentine's Day baby. So I tease her. She's a, you know, because conception is real big for me. And uh, and and so I say, you're a Valentine's Day baby. And I say, Valentine's was hot in your house. You know what I mean? You know, and, uh, and going back and forth. But it's also the month we decide to get married. And we decide to get married right around Thanksgiving holiday so that that it, our our kids would, automatically be out of school during our anniversary because we want to establish a, a culture, you know, of, of, uh, that to let our kids know that that was the beginning of our family. And, and, and because we wanted to establish a, a, a Christian, a biblical based culture in our family, that we gather together. We don't so much as gather together for Thanksgiving as to be thankful for, you know, for people coming to America. Uh, We establish it so that they can be thankful that God orchestrated the union of this family to bring us together so that they can come together so that we can uh, impact the world. 
that it will go beyond just an impact of two people getting married. But because we got married, the world will never be the same. And, uh, and so therefore we, we embarked upon this journey and we've brought others in on this journey because I only have four natural kids, but I have five adopted kids and, uh, and, and we're all family, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I get highly offended when somebody tries to tell me that my adopted children aren't really my children, you know what I mean? And I'm a pretty mean guy. At times when that happens, because I come from a culture, once again, continuing upon where we talked about that, that that culture doesn't override scripture. But I come from a culture where we honor family. You know, where we I grew up thinking certain people were my uncles and aunts that weren't really my uncles and aunts. If you want to get the laugh of the century, you just my son, who's a comedian, he has a comedy routine based upon our family that about how many uncles <laughs> how many uncles he has like you know like because you know I, I i i told my daughter i said i said me and your uncle are coming down for for the homecoming football game and we're gonna stay with you guys so she told her husband my dad and my uncle are coming down you know to to stay gonna stay with us for a few days and so when we got there and uh you know and he came home from work and I said, Hey, son-in-law, how you doing? I said, this is, uh, I, and then my, my daughter said, no, Ray, this is my uncle Joe. And you know, of course, you know, dad. And he looked at him, they shook hands and went there. And then he went to the bedroom to change clothes. And my daughter, you know, went in there with him to talk with him. And when they closed the bedroom door, he said, that's not your uncle. She said, that is my uncle. He said, he white. Your dad is black. They're not brothers. You know what I mean? She said, that's my dad. That's my dad's best friend. And we've been calling him Uncle Seriously. I know that's all I know how to dress him as. And my dad has lots of, but we got lots of uncles. You know what I mean? And he said, but it's not really your uncle. And, and, and they got into this little mini debate because we come from a culture where we embrace one another. My family had no problem embracing my adopted kids. They loved on them called them their their nieces, called them their grandchildren. My wife's side of the family, which comes from a culture, a different kind of a culture, had a hard time embracing them on the same level as our, you know, natural born kids. They just had a, they, they felt there should be some differentiation. And I had to explain to them, once again, that culture doesn't override scripture. And I say in scripture, adoption is viewed upon as the greater thing. You know, to be grafted in or to be adopted in as we are grafted into the vine and been adopted into the family of God is the greater thing, Paul said, because in adoption, you actually choose and embrace that one. With birth, you don't know who it is. I remember when my first child was born, I was looking down there like, what is it? Male, female, big head, little head. You know, if he got a big head, I know he look like me. You know, if he got a little head, he with his mom. You know, and you don't know. You you can't pre-pick. You don't know. But a, but adoption is it's like marriage. I chose my wife. I tell my kids, I chose her. I didn't choose y'all. If you're drowning, I'm going to get the one I chose. You know what I mean? I can make another one just like you later on. You know what I mean? Go get there. I said, but adoption, and what I always try to emphasize to 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 my children is that it's scriptural 
to come at that same level. I said to, to, to embrace someone, to, to hold them in high regards, to, to respect your elders. You know, I have them respect their elders by addressing their elders as Mr. or Mrs. And if they're close to the family, they get an uncle or aunt or even a grandma. You know what I mean? Because I have mothers in the faith who, who watch out for me and they treat my children like their grandchildren. You know what I mean? They, they remember their birthdays. They call them up. They love on them. And to some people, that's kind of foreign because that's not into their culture. You don't, you don't honor someone that's not your blood. You know what I mean? And, but scripture says that we all have that same blood, the blood of Jesus who wraps us and covers, and we all are adopted into the family of God. And, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, we have mothers and fathers in the faith and, and, and that's scripture and, and culture shouldn't override scripture when it gets to that point. You know what I mean? I don't worship them. You know what I mean? But instead they honor them by understanding the role that they play in the lives of, of, of their parents and, and how close those things are. And so it took my wife a little while to get used to that. But as she saw it in scripture, as she read scripture, she said, Oh, I understand now. You know what I mean? So it was, it was as easy for her to embrace that, especially when I start introducing these people to her and say, this is my uncle or aunt. And then she'll say, is it really your uncle? <laughs> was it just uncle? And I say, I say, as far as I'm concerned, this is my uncle and I, that's my cousin. I never think about marrying them or doing nothing like that. Cause they're my cousin. I mean, they're not my cousin, by blood, you know what I mean? But I said, that's, that's the position or status that they hold in my life. And, and when, when we're looking at the things in our life, you know, last week I said, examine yourself, look at scripture, look at what you do. And, and, and that's the process of examining. Now, what I want to share with you oh, for the, till the end of this first segment, because once again, you're listening to Pastor Joe Sutton of Isaiah 61 and uh, our radio ministry, Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis. And, and I just want you to take a journey with me and understand something that as we understand that, that, that race is not culture, right? And culture doesn't override scripture. And so when we're looking at our lives and we're looking at how we order our life, you know, that when me and my wife got married, both of us coming from divorced homes, neither one of us had never seen a marriage progress past the eighth year. Our parents both got divorced in the eighth year of, of, of marriage. And so we grew up, I grew up in the home of a single mom, but my mom was a tomboy. Right. So my mom taught us how to play baseball. She taught us how to play football. She you taught us how to play basketball. And then, but my mom didn't leave it there. Like she was the sole support. She turned us over to our uncle and our cousin because she knew we needed that male influence in which to make it. So though I grew up in a single parent home and I do have some effeminate ways, can't nobody out cook me. Can't nobody out clean me. You know what I mean? And can't nobody. And, and for a man, I sew pretty good. I made dresses, pants, hoodies, everything. You know what I mean? You know, because you know, I, I, you know, because I was competitive and my mother was teaching me this stuff, I made a vow that ain't no woman going to outdo me in nothing. You know what I mean? Because my mother told me, she said, don't let a woman outdo you in nothing. you man. Go ahead and do this. And and so I cooking, I just my mother didn't have girls. So she passed stuff down through us. But at the same time, she allowed me to stay outside to learn you know, learn how to, how to, how to, how to fight, how to dominate, how to do whatever like that. You know, I had to learn that from my uncles and she put that male influence in there. And when I did something stupid, it was my uncles that came and chastised me. 
you know, when 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 I got caught being perverted or something like that, it was a male perspective that came in. You know, my dad didn't always do it because they were so busy arguing from divorce and they got together. They never could make up their mind about stuff. And my dad would let me get away with stuff just to spite my mother. And my mother would let me get away with stuff just to spite my dad. I didn't play that game. My brother did. I didn't play that game. I kind of stepped outside of that. You know, being the oldest, you know, I tried to please both sides. And my brother, being the youngest, tried to take advantage of both sides, you know. And so it was just a different mentality. But in, in all in all, me and my wife realized that we could not bring our culture, how we were raised, what we did, into our marriage because we wanted our marriage to be based upon Scripture. And neither one of our cultures was a reflection of Scripture. There were things in there that were scriptural, but they were not as a whole reflective of that just by the nature to be so, you know, I'm like, I'm like, how as a young man do I know how to treat a woman as a Christian man? So what I had to do was I started hanging around couples and families that I felt reflected, you know, what God wanted in a Christian home. What is the culture of a Christian home? And, and how I picked them was I taught Sunday school. And if I saw a kid that was pretty balanced with no problems, that's the home I went to go check out because because they're the fruit. They're the fruit of that. I tell anybody, I don't care how talented and gifted you are. Your kids are your fruit. They're going to tell me how good your marriage really is when I look at them and what they're doing. And so I would spend the holidays as a single Christian guy, always with a family. And it was easy because my job always gave me a turkey at Thanksgiving. And I got a ham every Christmas as part of employee gift thing. And I was a manager at Toys R Us. So every kid loved me. And when I said I was coming, I can come with anything you wanted. So, I mean, when I when I popped up, I could make everybody's Christmas dreams come true. And I, though I was not. I think my I, this is probably my third year as a Christian that I stopped celebrating uh, Christmas because I wanted to be biblical. I still would go over and celebrate it with a family and bless them because, you know, I wasn't going to knock their culture and what they did. Paul said, if one man esteems one day over the other, so be it. If one doesn't esteem a day, so what? I chose not to esteem any day, but I still would go there because I wanted to see how the family interacted. You know, how, how did the... How did this man handle, you know, his kids? His family? I had to see that. And so when me and my wife were, before we got married, we didn't really date, but we talked a lot. We knew each other for years before we got married. And and we said, what is the culture of our house going to be? You know, what 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 is it going to look like? You know, what what is school going to look like? What is athletics? And, and we started setting boundaries and start shaping the culture of our house. But we did it around scripture. And, and and prayer because we knew that culture doesn't override scripture. You know, I'm 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 called African American, though I'm I have Cherokee, I have Spanish, I have of course English, uh, Scandinavian. I got a nice mix in me, but I choose to identify with the African American culture. But there's some things about my culture that are not biblical. You know what I mean? And I'm not gonna I wasn't gonna carry those things over. So we're gonna roll up. 
on a break and take a break. But when we come back from the break, you know, I want to wrap up with the this, the application of how even in the midst of being uh, African-American and, and not wanting to be viewed as a sellout, <laughs> but also not wanting to compromise the gospel, you know, how I can still love my people, uh, serve my people and yet not compromise scripture. Uh, we'll be back. You listen to Isaiah 61 and I'm Pastor Joe Sutton and take care. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Mission Minneapolis. Throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 980 The Mission Bible Teachers and Ministries with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61. I love that song. Say I won't. I don't know uh, what kind of culture <laughs> you grew up in, but when somebody says "say I won't" and dared you, oh man, you had to you had to you had to step in on the dare. You know what I mean? Say I won't. Say I won't. Yeah, you, know I mean? you won't. Then you went and did it, and uh, you went there. You know. Uh, speaking of culture, sidebar before I jump back into uh, just talking about uh, just culture. I was listening to uh, to a radio station late at night, and uh, I had been listening to a game. And it, when I got in the car, it, they were talking about um, the young man, the three guys from UCLA basketball team that got caught shoplifting. And one of them happened to be uh, the the son of uh, Lamar Ball, who they paint as the worst father of of the year. Uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, you know, uh, if you probably if you probably hung around me at my house, you'd pro- you'd probably call me Lamar Ball. My son says my son watches the reality Facebook show. He said, "Dad, that cat, oh my goodness, he's just like you." You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> my son does these comic release. You know, juice the comedian, just go to his web the YouTube page, and he plays a, a a dad. You know, and he's really playing me. And that, those are his most popular. YouTube videos when he's imitating me and, you know, and things I've done to them as I'm raising them. And, but anyway, they, they, they said he was a bad father because while his son got locked up in jail for shoplifting, he still went on a sightseeing tour. And he said, what dad? He said, 99 points in any dad would have sat at that jail and would have been there for his son and wouldn't have never left. And I, I wanted to call in and said, maybe in your culture, but not in my culture. I said, in my culture, if you got arrested by the police, you are on your own. Matter of fact, I would have never told the police I got arrested because my mom would have came from the jail and beat me from the jail all the way, you know, up in there. That That's the support I would have got. You know what I mean? I would have got supported by a stick or her fist. 
I said, so I said, and you might be that deem that to be cruel or whatever, but it's just that not everybody reacts certain ways because culturally we're different in how we respond. You know, me, I always put my kids outside and I never wanted them to have the kind of attitude or things that they felt like they want to stay in the house and didn't want to socialize. So therefore that's why my house was always the hub of activity on the block because they were always outside and, and, you know, and, uh, and so everybody knew that they can come climb a tree in my yard and I wasn't going to tell them to get out because I, 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 our culture condone open space. You know, I don't, when I'm at home, my door is not locked. Everybody who knows me does not ring my bell. They turn the knob and come in. If the door is locked, they might ring the bell because I might be in prayer. Don't even bother. But if I'm home, people who know me don't knock. They just open the door and come in. You know what I mean? And and that's the kind of open door policy we have. Whereas other people, they don't lock. They got the, I know people cut the alarm system on when they home. You know what I mean? You know, so it, it, the, our cultures are different in that. And so, there was this verse in Philippians that Paul said, he said, I wish I could die for my people to set them free. That's how much I love my people. But he said, I can't do that. You know what I mean? He said, he said, because Paul knew that as much as he loved his people, that culture doesn't override scripture. And there's some things that had came into the Jewish faith that were cultural. You know what I mean? You know, some holidays were cultural. They weren't scriptural. There were, there were, you know, the, the Pharisees had added so much stuff to the law. You know what I mean? There was a reflection of culture, but it wasn't biblical. And Christ came to clean all that up. He said, I come to fulfill the law. But they had added stuff in there that was just ridiculous, things that, that, that were going on. And, and we have to be careful in that. Me, I, I love, I love my people, but, you know, my people, You'll think I'm talking about African-Americans. No, I'm talking about urban. I love urban people. I love big city folks. You know what I mean? And and I wish I could die for them. You know, I wish I could die for them. When I see young people, a young kid that got taken out of my home, and now he's out there gangbanging, shooting with pistols and all like that, bragging about how he's not getting shot. He's not getting shot because he got prayers over me. You know, I thought I didn't get shot because I was so tough and everybody was scared of me. Man, people were praying for me. You know what I mean? And that broke me down when I realized that it wasn't my toughness. It, it, it wasn't my ability to dodge or nothing like that. But it was the prayers that were going up for me. It broke me down and made me cry, man. I, and I didn't cry. And I cried over that. And so what I'm trying to, what I say is this, is that you can still love your people, right? You can still have a heart for your people. And God calls you, people, God give people a heart for nations that are not their nations. He can truly allow you to have a heart for your folks. You're not being racist because you love and you want to see your people in the kingdom. But what happens is racism is not the thing that you should be worried about. It's when you allow your race or your culture to override scripture. And you shun Paul scolded Peter because he would hang out with Gentiles. But then when the Jewish people came around, he wouldn't sit down and eat with them. He acted like he wasn't there. And Paul scolded him for that. Why? Because Peter was allowing culture to override scripture. Scripture said we were all brothers and sisters in Christ. And then now 
But when Jewish people come around, he wanted to go back to the culture of we don't hang with Samaritans and we don't hang with that. That was culture. That wasn't biblical. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the blood that Jesus had washed them clean. And we need to be careful in how we order our steps and the friends that we make, the churches we choose to visit, you know, how we treat people on the job. And we got to make sure that we're staying biblical, right? And not be cultural. You know, we teach our kids that to not hang around sinners, to not do certain things. That ain't scriptural. That's cultural. You know what I mean? We want to stay clean or you, you scared they're going to get corrupted. So I, I admonish you this. Get into the word of God. Listen, I thank you for listening to my program. I, I love you dearly and everything like that. And But understand this. We have to be biblical in what we do. I don't expect you to be like me. Once again, I passed a church from the pulpit. I don't I don't I don't go off on Halloween. I don't go off on Christmas. I don't go off on any holiday from the pulpit. You know what I mean? I stick to the word of God. Holiness is doing what God would do. He said, be ye holy because I am holy. Holiness is not avoiding the world. Holiness is encountering the world the way God encounters the world. Understand that. Some of us are called to be in bars and some of us are not. Find your place in Christ and understand this. Scripture overrides everything. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.